I came across your blog a while ago and um, I don't remember what, if there was something specific that made me reach out to you, but um, I noticed at some point that you had started the OSWE uh, or no, I guess, oh. I guess you told me, you told me that you were, and then I saw that you posted the, the write up. Um, yeah, I think you contacted me before I posted the write up actually. That's right. That's right. Um, but, but yeah, anyway, so, so yeah, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I told you I was, I had well, at least signed up and had gotten lab access. We can get into how far I've actually made it, but, um, I'm definitely interested in hearing, um, your, 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 um, you know, your experience with that. But I guess before we, before we jump into that though, um, what, uh, if you, you know, to, to the extent that you feel like sharing, um, maybe give a little background about, uh, you know, how you got into security and, and what you do now and sort of where your interests lie and the, you know, sort of the giant, you know, field of view that is, that is InfoSec these days. Um, well, I guess it's a bit complicated. Um, like I, my my like interest in IT started when I was a kid, and I wanted to learn how to make computer games um, because I I really liked playing games. And one day I asked my dad, "Where where did the games come from?" And he told me that you have to program them. And I was like, "Program? What, what does that mean? What is that?" And he showed me like uh, Visual Basic, and I started coding in Visual Basic, and I realized that it kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, later on, I, I learned that my uh, cousin's dad was working as a programmer. Um, and then he learned that I was interested in this. So he, he bought me a um, um, Python book. So I started coding Python. Um, so I, I, um, I did like a bunch of projects in this Python book. And then I, I was sitting doing like... Um, uh, random project ideas I had, like I had a bunch of them and I always jumped between them and nothing was really done, you know, <laughs> and I, I, I started uh, messing with like the port forwarding rules of my router. Um, I, I got a Raspberry Pi, I tried to hook it up. Uh, so that was like how I got into the IT field. Um, and then the, I think that was like when I was around 15. Um, and then I went to high school and I did something called natural sciences. I don't know exactly what the programs are in, in the US, but this is basically um, more of a focus on like um, physics, chemics, um, mathematics and so on. Sure. Um, and uh, like I wanted to go into like a well-known uh, tech program uh, for high school, but uh, my grades were not good enough. Um, so I started doing... Uh, like uh, all my tech stuff on the side of school uh, and once i finished uh, high school i i decided that i wanted to go straight to university and finally get to study uh, it uh, so i did uh, um, a bachelor's and a master's in uh, computer science um, and i didn't really know that i wanted to get into it security like i had watched uh, a lot of uh, defcon videos uh, like before university and i i found it really interesting how they were breaking things and uh, you know using things in ways they shouldn't be used uh, so i had i had that like um kind of interest in in security um but then i, I when i had to choose the master i i thought i wanted to maybe work with uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence or get into security and uh, i remember i took like a master class in my final uh, semester of um, the bachelor and uh, 
like this was a masterclass in machine learning. And I asked uh, one of the girls there, why did you choose machine, the machine learning master? And she told me, oh, I just love math. That's why I choose this. <laughs> Hmm. And then I realized that this is not for me. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like math that much. So, so then I choose the cybersecurity field. Okay. Yeah. I know there's there's a there's a cross section now. I think a growing cross section between like AIML and and cybersecurity. And and I don't mean that just in like the product development space. I mean like in the sort of more in the the offensive space. I've I've seen a lot of job postings come up recently around like adversarial machine learning and. Um, uh, you know, other sorts of offensive security things related to AIML. So, um, but it sounds like if if you're not a if you're not a huge math, I don't and I don't know how math heavy it is. I don't I don't really have that much knowledge around ML. Um, I was actually a math major though for so for several years. Uh, but I too well, I actually didn't mind math. I wouldn't say I love it, but I I realized at some point when I was in my math major that that. I don't know what I will do with a, with a degree in math. What, what I don't know where that takes me. So I ended up actually transferring to cybersecurity. But um, but yeah, it's, so yeah, interesting background. Um, so so out of all things, infosec that I think maybe you could have gotten into, you got into pen testing. Um, is that sort of you think the influence there was just around you know watching those DevCon videos and and maybe enjoying the idea of breaking things or. Um, was, was that sort of the first type of infosec you were exposed to? So you're sort of, you know, attached to it or, you know, how, how did that come, come to be? Mm, I think it wasn't like necessarily that experienced, but I think it certainly helped, um, because it, because it made me interested in the area. Um, but in, in the master, I also did a, a couple of security courses and, uh, one of them was a course called uh, ethical hacking, um, and this course was uh, basically a giant CTF uh, course. Um, so basically, there were only like lectures that would introduce you to security com com um, what do you call it? Uh, concepts. That's the word. So they would introduce you to security concepts, and then they just said like, "Go work in the labs." Like once you have the 15 flags in the labs, you pass the course. And there is nothing that says you have to take the flag at this day or this week or whatever. You just have to take all of them at the end of the course. Um, and I really, really enjoyed, you know, learning how uh, the different tools worked and trying to uh, brainstorm ideas how to break into different computers. Um, so I think, I think that at that point I, I realized that I wanted to work with uh, cybersecurity, uh, like on a quite hands-on um, way. Um, and that I think that's what made me choose pen testing afterwards. Sure, sure, sure. So, so how long have you been sort of in that in that? either pen testing or web app pen testing realm? Um, I think around like two and a half years almost. Okay, cool. Yeah, and, and um, you know, uh, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to share about sort of that background, but I, you know, just from your blog, I can see, you know, you've, you're, you seem to enjoy Hack the Box or at least writing about it. Um, uh, and obviously there's, you know, quite a bit of web app pen testing to be done in there. Um, and obviously, you know, you, you recently completed the OSWE, which I think is pretty cool given, you know, you've got, I mean, you just said, you know, around two years, but maybe less than three years, even experience in the field. And you went out and got that cert, which I think, um, I mean, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you explain how advanced you think it is or is not, but I think it's sort of regarded as a, you know, 
it's it is their 300 level you know web app pen testing course so at least in the eyes of offsec they see that as their like sort of advanced pen testing you know on the web app side so that's pretty that, you know so that's congrats you know again but you know probably at least in, from the perspective of i think the industry you know an impressive feat yeah absolutely i i think it was um i think it's a, a great certificate and uh, I can agree that it's difficult to get, um, but I think it's it's uh, certainly w worth the struggle to to go through it. Sure. So I guess I mean diving into that. I mean for 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 myself who has barely opened any of the materials, despite having access to the lab for about a month now, um, and you know I I'm almost for sure going to have to to extend my lab time. Um, but you know that's how things go. When I did my OSCP, I it took me a year from when I started to when I got it because not because I was actually in the lab, but because I signed up for it and then got into it for like two weeks and then fell out and didn't mm -hmm. really look at anything and then had to you know had, I I think I renewed twice. Um, but actually, I think over that course of that year time span and renewing twice, I probably spent maybe a month actually in the labs and then taking the test and got it. And, you know, had I just buckled down and did it. But um, that was actually that was before I had a kid and all this responsibility now. So now, you know, finding finding the time to just sit down and and and, you know learn and hack stuff for hours you know I, I sort of need that contiguous amount of time to, to, to do it um but anyways that's just like a lot of excuses but anyways for somebody like me or anyone else who's thinking about doing it is there anything you would recommend just from like a then like a knowledge set before going into it so you're not you know completely lost um i think it's good to have done the ocp um but then like it's not really a prerequisite because the OSCP is more like infrastructure uh, hacking and a bit of web application hacking. Um, so I would say it's it's good if you have done the OSCP before. Um, but then I think the most important thing to know, like in the course and maybe even beforehand, is uh, how routing works in different languages. Um, and this is something like they. I think they, yeah, they do kind of explain it during the course, but I think you could save a lot of time if you just knew it beforehand. Um, and it's basically um, the the whole certification or certificate revolves around the four different languages, which is PHP, um, and then .NET and Node.js, and uh, I think it was one more. Which one was that? Uh, mm -mm -mm. Yeah, but there is at least four of them. Is it Python <laughs> then, related? If... No, it's not Python. There is like the Python one is like uh, an extra language that is not the, one of the four core main languages. Sure. Um, like but now I don't remember the four of them on top of my head. It's like PHP, .NET, and Node.js, and one more. Oh, Java. Yeah, that's it. Uh -huh. So it's those four. Um, yeah, and in in PHP, it's like really. Usually it's really easy. It's like uh, you just request a file on the file system. In .NET, you have to learn the MVC um, framework, mm -hmm. which is the model view controller framework, mm -hmm. which can be a bit like confusing at first if you're not familiar with it. Um, I remember I spent like 
one or two days uh, being confused about how everything was mapped together and all the different ways to configure the routing and so on. Um, and then you have Java, which can be a bit of a mess if you have multiple web applications in like one web application, then they can like package them together and then it becomes a bit confusing. Uh -huh. um, and Node.js can also be a bit confusing because like they can put the routing it's like it's somehow not so standardized like if you look in, in Java you have the web.xml file and you know that you will find the mapping in there like between the servlets and the uh, URLs um, but if you look in Node.js you can use different packages for routing and they all come with different ways to define the routes uh, so, so it's a bit more challenging, I would say, in in that language. So, do you um, think do you think that Offsec like gives you enough to like go do that your own research on it, or or would you say that it's probably worth just independently, you know, googling all four of those and and how they do routing and just doing some, just sort of boning up on that before you even start? I think it could be good to to check it out a little bit before you start, um, because at least. The way my brain works is that if I am familiar with a concept and I try to learn it later on, uh, it's much more easier than if I'm completely unfamiliar with it. And it's even if I, I have just uh, like uh, skimmed through like uh, a page describing something, um, I, I think that that can actually help you uh, quite a lot when you actually want to learn it later on. Yeah, for sure. Um, how so? How long did you? Uh, how long did you? Did you do like the thirty day or sixty day or ninety day? Uh, I did a 90 day one um, and it was like, I would say it was qu a quite um, intense experience. It, uh, But I, I felt like, you know, it was kind of enough. Like the last week was, uh, I was basically searching for more things to do. Um, so I felt like if you, if you try to like, what do you, what would you say about it? Like. If you try to, um, you know, be, be disciplined, you can do it in 90 days, even if you have a job on the side. Um, but I say I would say it, it can depend on the on the, the individual person. Like if you have a lot of experience and like how how your life is around uh, work and and your studies. If you have like a kid, then it, it might be quite a lot more difficult. Um, for me, I. I I have only have a, a girlfriend to worry about. I don't have a kid, <laughs> and sure. she's usually very, very understanding of uh, when I need to study. She understands that these courses are quite demanding. Um, so when I take them, like I usually work uh, nine to nine. So I start nine in the morning, and then I I always end at uh, nine in the evening. Um, and if I have to do uh, you know work related stuff, I do it in between those hours as well. Uh, so I, I know that after 9 p.m. I always start stop working. Uh, and this is something I found works very well for me because if I keep pushing later on in, in the night, it messes a little bit with my sleep and it makes me more sleepy the next day. So like in the end, I'm less productive. Um, so that's why I, I, I stick to these hours because I know this maximizes my productivity. Um, and this this is something I tried to do during the whole like 90 days of access I had. Um, and then I tried to just list everything I had to do and prioritize it uh, and then follow that plan. And sure. it, it seemed to, to work work out quite well. 
Yeah, nine. Not you could you could write something about that. Nine to nine for ninety. The OSWE story. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, no, that's 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 good. Yeah, I I, I have yeah. I, my my philosophy is far less rigid than that. I I do spend I do end up spending time, you know, right up till I go to bed. A lot of times doing stuff, but. But I, I sort of intersperse it throughout the day. Who knows? But how how um, if you had to? And this is always difficult to gauge. But how many hours would you say you spent? Either, I don't know, a day, a week. Um, you know, sort of working through it. Um, the OSD I, I did. I should say. Yeah, I did like uh, a post on this on on my blog where I because during the whole the whole um, like lab access i was actually writing down what i was doing every day like what was my main focus and uh, if i had some uh, something else i had to do during the day that made me lose some time um and then i i created a table which i posted on, on the blog where i tried to list what i did every day and approximately how much uh, hours i spent and uh, in the end i, f- I think i spent around like 260 uh, hours or something like this Oh, yeah. uh, during those 90 days so i think that's quite a lot of time um yeah I but have... I, I, the thing was for me that um I, I i think that a lot of people share this uh kind of fear of the exam that it will be a bit of a mental uh, struggle um and I, so i wanted to be like really really prepared so that the exam would be as painless as possible um, so I wanted to I wanted to learn everything in the course, like every single detail. So I I read the, like the PDF um, twice, and uh, I took notes of everything. I did all the exam or the lab machines, and I did all the exercises, all the extra miles, all the extra miles I could find on the forum. And then once I ran out of like ideas of things I could do, I started to like make up my own um, exercises. So I would say like, oh, but this web application should store like a key to log in with in the database, maybe you could do something like this. And then I would try to do it for, for like half a day or something. Um, and uh, I thought that like, I think that this, this kind of small extra exercises I was creating for myself actually helped me um, learn more things than, I, than if I wouldn't have done them. Um, so I think that was like quite, quite a good idea actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I saved your I saved your you know your review, um, but admittedly you haven't read through it. But I just opened it up since you mentioned it, and I see yeah you have a very verbose like, you know, day one you know this date like I did five hours you know etc. But I'm seeing like I mean if I'm reading this correctly I don't and I don't see how I could not but you know ten hour days just working through this material that's that's pretty intense. Yeah, it was. I feel like uh, you you feel a bit. Um, uh, I don't know what the word for this is in English, but you know you feel like you need a, a break and vacation, <laughs> but then you just have to you know push through it somehow. Right. Um, right. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Um, something for me to when I, when I, to consider when I because um, again, yeah, there's no way I don't I don't extend at, the, at this point. And we'll probably, if I do, probably just get the 90 days to give myself as much cushion as possible. But yeah, I, I really need to, uh, yeah, I, I need to prep, prep the family on, on, you know, my absence. 
Yeah. In terms of just yeah, this is where this is where I'm going to be. I'm just going to be. I I sit I sit in my in my chair in front of my um in front of my computer, you know, in a, in my remote work lifestyle all day anyways. But now it's going to go from all day to all day and all night. So. But maybe you could have a similar setup that you just work between like a certain amount of hours. Um, yeah, I do think yeah, trying to stave off that that sort of mental burnout and exhaustion. Um, and then yeah, yeah and then you, and then, like then you can have a, some time for your wife and your kid as well if you tell them that uh, oh after nine p.m. I can uh, hang out with you, uh, but before that I'm working. Sure. Um, I I think it maybe it becomes a bit easier for everyone involved. Yeah. No, I think yeah, letting your yeah letting your brain rest and then of course not letting everything else in your life suffer because you're you know trying to get a cert is probably 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 the healthy choice. So, um, so you, you finish that up. What you you have you have something something next? I think you mentioned if I'm maybe I'm misremembering, but going after another one of offset certs. So maybe trying to go for the the new OSCE trifecta. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll go for all three of them. But uh, I have decided that I will at least uh, start studying for the experience pen tester one. So that's the OSEP. Um, and I'll probably start in July this year. Um, but, uh, you know, web hacking is more like my strong side. Uh, and I'm quite unfamiliar with the Active Directory and the Windows hacking. So uh, I'm not expecting to take this certification in like maybe like half a year. I'm, I'm probably going to go for the um, Learn One uh, subscription and then try to work on it for a year or something. Um, sure. Because for me, for me, it's like on the like it's it's multiple things. But one thing is that the exams are quite difficult, and I like to know what what I'm doing. Usually, when I go into an exam, I want to be like really prepared, and I want to feel like I kind of have, um, like I kind of feel like uh, I want to feel like I kind of have control over the situation. I want I don't want to be in like this. Uh, panicked environment where I don't know what I'm what I'm gonna do next. I want to have like a solid methodology and then say, okay, this didn't work. What's the next thing I'm gonna test? This this thing is the next thing, and then I try the next thing and so on. Um, so uh, I, I probably will go for like a longer uh, lab access time, and then I will try to have a similar strategy as I did for the OSWE that I will try to learn everything in the course as much as possible. Um, and then I might do the exam because for me it's it's kind of like I the main reason I do these courses is because I want to learn a lot of things in these areas. Um, but then the problem becomes that once I've kind of learned everything in the course, I feel like I need to do the exam before I can move on to the next course because I want to feel like I'm done with the, with this course. Um, so it's like kind of uh, a double-edged sword, I would say that. Uh, you have a really fun time during the whole lab access, and then you just have to push through the exam, even though you you don't really want to do it. Sure. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the a good thing with like a cert like OSWE. I think there's a lot of people, and I'll lump myself in this group to some extent, who you know went and took OSCP because it's something that a lot of you know employers are looking for, and it's sort of well known. Um, and so I think. You know, I I think I have a history of going and getting some 
certifications and my heart being not in the right place when doing those. Um, I mean, I certainly learned a lot throughout, you know, definitely in the OSCP process and with many of these other certs that I've done and the trainings that came with them. But, you know, I, at the end of it, you know, I got the cert and I sort of moved on. And I think having, you know, worrying more about the journey, right. About all the things that you're learning rather than the destination, right. Getting the cert, if you will, or, or what comes, you know, as a reward from, from, you know, getting the cert, whether that, you know, I don't know if that you want to stick it on your resume or something, you know, I think you, you miss out on, on, I don't know what everything that hopefully you're, you're getting out of the process, right. Which is all the learning. And I think, OSWE, it though it does have a great name in the industry, and I'm sure it's on some job rec somewhere. is is one of those certs where I feel like the only reason you do it is because, right, for the reasons why you stated, you were interested in learning all the content, and at the end of it, you you know just to put a bow on it, you went and got the cert, right? Um, that's certainly the same. That's that's the approach that I you know I want to take as well. Where you know, I'd love to you know walk into the 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 certification exam like you did with every possible thing from the course being known, right? Or at least, you know, have prepped for. And so you're as confident in the exam as you can be. Cause I remember when I did yeah. OCP, I, I, I felt like I wasn't like bare minimum, but you know, I got to the end of my like third lab time and I probably got through 20 boxes and, you know, I knew I could pass because I had, you know, I had a background and, you know, I felt reasonably comfortable with the material, but I, I did not like, you know, do a hundred percent of the lab material and all the challenges and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, I think people who do, people who get real excited about it and real interested and go through everything, they come away with a lot more than I did. Yeah. So that's cool. OSCP. Now it's, it's, you know, they, Offsec's been going through a lot of changes, you know, and I feel like in the last like 12 months, they came out with a lot of new certs. They broke out the OSC, the old OSCE into several different ones. Um, this one, I guess has, has always been around. I don't know if it had any content changes when Offsec. I mean, the OSCP, that's the one you're talking about. OSCP has been around for a while, but this one, the OSWE Uh has, has been around for a little while too. Yeah, um, I think so as well. Yeah, I don't know if. The but what did changed. you what did you think about the OCP? Did you find it difficult? Yeah, I mean, I did think it was challenge. I mean, so right before I did OSCP, I don't know if you're familiar with eLearn Security. Yeah, I know, I know about. about yeah, it. so they have you know they have a lot of equivalent, if you will. I mean, you know, maybe they're not equivalent in all sense, but but you know they have. Elearn has the PTP pen testing professional, which is their like OSCP like um, training slash cert. And I, I did that actually right before I started OSCP. Um, so a lot of the content was the same. Um, I actually really liked back then what Elearn provided. Um, their, their process for, for the trainings different. Um, they, they're, you know, uh, Offsec has that try harder, you know, mentality around, uh, you know, how you, you know, how you prep and do your research and and grind through the challenges of the training. And I think that's that's valuable for people to learn that, you know, th- that ability to research and and have that perseverance. E-learn does not function that way. 
you know, I think they, they hold your hand a lot more, um, which depending on your style of learning and how frustrated you get, I mean, can be helpful if you can just get an answer a little sooner. Um, but they also had a bunch of stuff in, in both the exam as well as the actual training and lab that, that at the time OCP didn't offer like active directory hacking and, you know, they, in the exam itself, they had, you know, you had to perform like lateral movement, which in OCP you didn't, I don't know if you do now. Um, but anyways, for going from that experience directly into OCP, I was, I felt relatively prepped. Um, you know, like I knew how to do all the buffer overflow stuff. I, you know, a lot of the material was the same in terms of, you know, how to do, you know, enumeration for web apps and networks and how to, you know, how to find some stuff. Uh, obviously the, the content is not a complete one for one. So there's, you know, I had to learn a lot still with OCP and again, it took me a year to actually get through it all um, in some ways. So I, I, I even then I, I still found it to be relatively challenging. Yeah. I was actually a bit surprised because for me, I was, um, I was, um, I had a similar approach that I had for the OSV when I did the OSCP. Um, I did uh, every single exercise and every single extra mile. And I even wrote like the 300 page uh, lab report to get five bonus points in the exam. Um, and I thought maybe I, I went a bit, you know, overkill. I did too much. Uh, and I also did like all the lab machines. I think there was 70 of them as well. Um, so I felt that maybe I, I had overprepared for the exam. Um, but then when I did the exam, I was a bit uh, taken aback about, about like how difficult it was for me um, because I was stuck at like the 65 points um, and I needed 70 to pass. Oh, wow. And uh, I got like the 65 points in like a matter of like four or five hours or six hours. And then I was completely stuck for, for like nine or ten hours and i remember i was just sitting there in the middle of the night and i was completely exhausted and um, i was just um, you know thinking i'm not gonna pass this exam but i i would feel really bad if i just give up so i'm gonna just sit through like the night and just try um so then at least i can feel like uh, i did i did all i could um and then i was just doing like random stuff uh, in the middle of the night like i didn't really know exactly um why I should so choose a certain payload or something like this. Um, and I tried different parameters and suddenly like I got the connection back from, uh, from my reverse shell. Uh, and I was just sitting there like, did I just get uh, a connection back? Like this, this must be something wrong. Like this cannot be possible that it worked. <laughs> and <laughs> then, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I was completely shocked because I had tried that exploit like so many times before and it didn't work. And I tried like, um, doing the enumeration that was like because in when you read the exploit they said if uh, if um, like this account exists then target is uh, like exploitable for example um, and then i checked and uh, like the conditions were not right for the ex for the exploit to work so i i just tried it once and it didn't work so i was like okay it doesn't make sense that it would work um, and then in the middle of the night, I tried it with like a bunch of different random parameters and I got in. <laughs> so it was a bit of like a difficult situation. Um, but then after I got that reverse shell, I got, uh, you know, a really big adrenaline uh, rush. <laughs> and I was just typing the report like really, um, what, how do you call it? Ferociously, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then I, I, 
once I knew I had like the screenshots I needed, I, I went to bed uh, at like six in the morning or something. Um, and then I woke up and finished the report, sent it in, and I was like really nervous because I knew that I would get exactly 70 points. <laughs> um, so I, I was like, I need to get every single de detail right because if they remove one point, I will not pass. Right. Um, so I, I thought that maybe I, I didn't pass, but then I got the email that I passed. Um, so going into the OSWE, I was uh, like, I thought it would be the same. Like I was quite scared of the exam. Uh, so that's why I was uh, over-preparing. Um, but then I actually felt, I think I wrote this as well in my review, that I actually felt like the exam was easier than I expected. Um, so I actually got like 100 out of 100 points, and I finished everything in like 14 or 15 hours, I think. Yeah. Um, and you have like 40, uh, 48 hours. Um, so So that was a bit surprising to me. Do you um, think? Do you think that the exam is easier do you think that you were you're just sort of older and wiser or do you think that the material is like you know there's less scope to it so it's oh, like oscp like any it's like anything goes right i mean you knew there's only going to be like one buffer overflow and there's very minimal pivoting if any uh the version that you took but it you know from an from really like anything else could be in there um, so that's, that's sort of part of the reason why it's challenging, but what do you think for why OSWE seemed easier to you? Um, I actually thought a bit about it and I realized that I think uh, the OSWE prepares you more for, uh, for the exam. Um, like it feels like, you know, the lab, like the whole course content is more tied to the exam, but if you look in the OSCP, um, I felt like you know, the scope for, for the whole cer certification is very, very wide, as opposed to those OSWE, which is quite narrow. Uh, like, the OSWE is only web applications, and it's like you have to chain multiple exploits um, in the web application, or multiple um, vulnerabilities, sorry, in the web application, um, and then you, you can kind of exploit these vulnerabilities and get access to the system. Um, and you know that you also have access to the, uh, to the source code. Uh, so you know that like you will never be completely stuck because you can always read some other code, for example. Uh, whereas in the OSCP, it was a black box approach. So maybe you're not looking in the right spot or, you know, uh, something could have gone wrong and you have no idea how the backend is set up. Um, right. And for the OSCP, you also have like, you not only have uh, web applications in scope, you have all the infrastructure things. Um, so the scope is really, really big and you can get like pretty much anything on the internet. Um, that, that's at least how I felt about uh, the experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I had a very similar OSCP experience where I feel like maybe five, six hours in, I had completed three of the boxes. So I was, you know, right there on just needing one more to, to get over the, you know, the enough points. And I, you know, hit that wall, same as you did, where I just couldn't figure it out. And then, I mean, five, six hours later, I mean, it was probably an hour, like 15, 16, by the time it it came, whatever it was. And I forget now, I'd have to go back and look at my report because um, it's, it's so long ago now. But it, whatever it was, like, came to me, not uh, in, in sort of a similar fashion. I wasn't just, like, randomly throwing payloads. Um, but I I think I, I just thought of something. Um, 
that I hadn't tried and it led me down the, the correct path. But I do remember being frustrated that there was one box, I guess it was like a 20 point box that I couldn't, um, I couldn't crack at all, right? Couldn't get the foothold at all. Um, I think it was a web app too. Um, but I remember that, I mean, I was elated, right, to, to have the points and write it up and, and get, you know, get the message, you know, saying I passed, but, uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't like eat at me to this day or anything. But I remember for a while I was like, man, I really wish I could have, could have figured out what that box was. Even after the fact it bothered me, you know, yeah. um, that I just, I, to this day, I, I still, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what it was that it took to, to get into that guy. But, the, but yeah, the, uh, did, the, but did you manage to uh, like sleep during the exam, or did you just skip sleeping, or how oh, did I you approach sleep. it? No, I didn't. Okay. Sleep. <laughs> no. Yeah, because this is a challenge of the OSWE because it's twice as long, like the the hacking time you have. So you have to kind of sleep during the exam, um, and this is something I that became a real big issue for me um, because I realized that I cannot sleep during during an exam <laughs> because um, like during the first. 15 or 16 hours, um, you know, when I finished the whole, the whole, um, like all the hacking objectives and I took the screenshots I needed. Um, like I was drinking a lot of coffee and, and eating a lot of candy and everything. And then when I went to bed at like three in the morning, four in the morning, um, I couldn't sleep. Like I was in bed until like nine or 10 and then I slept like three hours. <laughs> And then I got up, of, I got out of bed, and I was like, "Okay, I have to finish the report, even though I barely slept." Right. Um, and then, you know, this was the really difficult part for me because I was like really sleep deprived, and I had to like uh, write a report on everything I found and try to explain like how the source code was related to to how I exploited the target. You know, right. you have to explain like, "Oh, I found this vulnerability here, this other vulnerability, and I chained them together." Blah blah blah, um, and uh, like when you do that on on barely any sleep it becomes a bit difficult like mentally um yeah 48 so, uh, hours uh, yeah. 48 hours is like it's it's long enough where you can't i mean your your brain will turn to soup if you try to stay up for that long and do anything that's mentally challenging but it's not so long that you really have a lot of time to sleep it, if you're you know if cuz you know it's a challenging exam i when i did e-learn their OSCP equivalent, the PTP, they give you, or at least at the time, I, I don't know if they do it now still, but they give you a week to, to essentially do what is the exam. And then they give you a week, a second week to write up the report. So it's, you have a lot more time, but I remember then, even then with a whole week struggling to sleep because, you know, I get, you know, it's just this, this combination of like adrenaline. As soon as I close my eyes, I start thinking of something that I hadn't tried and so I wait, you know, I either wake up to to write it down. So I remember to try it when after I wake up, or I'll, you know, be like, oh my god, I have to go try this and go. And I did that several times where I would stay up for extended periods because I would remember something and run in, you know, boot my computer back up or open it up and and try it. So yeah. Um, but then you had access uh, like during the whole days, right? Sorry. Like uh, you didn't, because uh, we, we, me and my coworkers were talking about like, maybe it would good, be good with a concept that um, you only have uh, like access to the exam machines during certain hours during the day. Um, so uh, for example, they would uh, give you access between nine in the morning and nine in the evening, and then they would close your, your access to the machine. 
So in the OSCP um, exam, you would get two days instead of one, but then you would have like half days. So then you know that you, you can sleep and you're forced to rest. Yeah. Um, like we thought maybe this would be a, a better solution to keep like the experience a bit more healthy. Um, but I suppose that e-learn security doesn't work that way either, right? No, they didn't. And it's, you know, I, I do, I mean, I do think that there's some, like you're saying, sort of uh, a benefit to that. But it's it's also like uniformly applying those, like that, those boundaries to everyone. Like, I don't know if it would work out. I mean, some people, I feel like, I, I had the luxury at the time to be able to just take two days off work, right? To, yeah, to do that makes it, sense. Yeah. Right. But some people, I feel like there's probably, you know, a non-trivial amount of people who, if they're doing the OCP, they're doing it on their own time. They're doing it after work. They might not even have the weekend, right? Um, fortunately, that was not my experience. But uh, you know, these days, even more so. I now th in a in a future where uh, I actually get through the course content and I t take the exam, getting forty eight hours of uninterrupted time from from work and my wife and son will be the, the quite an ask. So we'll see. We will see. So when you're not doing, are you, are you still with me? Yeah, I'm still here. When you are, um, I guess, I guess what did you, what did you do to, 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 to celebrate, take your mind off to, to, you know, decompress after you finished? Um, did you, did you dive right back into some more security stuff or did you, uh, no, I took some time, you know, taking it a bit slower, um, hanging out with uh, my uh, girlfriend's family a bit and um, trying to not do like work related stuff outside of work. Uh, so uh, I don't know if I really celebrated so much. Uh, it's more that I just take a period where, where I'm taking things a bit slower and easier. Um, and also I, I work out more as well because during the, the lab access time, I don't uh, go to the gym to work out as much, but then uh, as soon as the lab access time is over or before it uh, as well, um, I spend more time in the gym. Um, and I think this is something that is good for not only the the, the access you get, but as well like um, for the exam that uh, you can, uh, it's good to keep your, yourself in a good shape before you, you get those um, time periods. So like before you start your lab access, it's good if you, try to go to the gym regularly and eat well and sleep well so that you're in a good um, mental state before you start pushing through the, the access, for example. Like if you're going to push 10 hour days every day, you're going to get like tired. And if you're in a really good mental state in the beginning, it will be easier to continue pushing. Um, so I think th this is something that is good to take into account. Um, before doing the, the the lab access if you want to do it like in as few days as possible but also before the exam yeah no i've definitely um i mean i i'll blame covid for part of it but yeah i've i've definitely neglected my my physical health um more than ever uh, i used to pre pre-pandemic i would I mean, I played, I played a lot of basketball. I go to the gym and play basketball, but I'd play three, four times a week, 
you know, five, six hours. And so I got a lot of cardio. Um, and I thought at the time generally was in decent shape these days. Yeah. I feel like I've probably put on a little weight, but, but more like I, I live in a townhouse. I'll run up, I'll, you know, I'll run up four flights of stairs and be winded. Whereas I never used to be. So definitely good advice there. I, I, I've been thinking about what I can do to supplement my, what it was my, my old gym time, whether it be going, you know, going on a run or something. I have to figure that out. Or do you do like sort of traditional, like, like, are you weight doing weightlifting? Or are you doing cardio sort of exercise? Um, I mostly do uh, weightlifting. Um, so like, I think that I get most of the cardio part from, uh, biking to and through from, uh, work every day. I have like seven or eight kilometers. I don't know exactly how many miles that are because I know in the US you have miles. Sure. It's um, like probably four to five miles somewhere in there. Yeah, something like that. Um, so I get some some sort of cardio. Like that's maybe 30 mi- minutes uh, biking in the morning and then 30 minutes in the afternoon. And then uh, at the um, office where I'm working at the moment, they actually have a, a gym uh, next to the room we are sitting in. Um, so it's really easy to just go over to gym and and work out for like one or one or two hours. Um, so so I I get to go like quite frequently since it's so easy to to access the gym. Um, yeah. And then also have the, this uh, this uh, like what do you call it habit um, of running before I work out. So I always run like at least two kilometers um, to warm up and then. Then I start doing my my workout. Are you? Um, did you? Are do you work like five days a week in the office, or do you do you have any? Do you do any remote work? Um, I mean, they have told us that we can work two days from home every week. Um, so sometimes I work from home, but then we have like uh, you know there there is a lot of nice things at the office you could say like we have the gym and we have like really really good food uh, and then it's also nice to meet your your co-workers um so usually i i end up uh, going to the office quite often sure yeah now i've been i've been remote now for you know pretty much since march of of 2020 and though i if I could, you know, stay in this setup or go back to the way it was, I would, you know, I would choose this setup without a second thought. But there's there's definitely things you miss. Um, you know, I think for me, it's mostly just around seeing people in the office. Um, you know, I've I've since switched jobs since since then, and um, you know, it's definitely been. You know, I have a lot of really good friends and you know professional relationships that I built you know in the the five years at my previous org and i see it as much more challenging in an all remote setup to to you know build those same relationships um yeah without you know being able to because i I feel like a lot of my my conversations and interactions with people are sort of very transactional very just let's talk about the professional thing on hand and you just don't really get to know people as well so. Yeah, and I think I think that means that you you will have uh, less memories of of your workplace or like your time working at that company. 
um, because at least from my experience, usually the things I remember from uh, from like previous um, jobs I've had or university, these are not like the courses or the content I studied. It's it's more about like the people I met and uh, like fun things that happened, for example. Um, and if you're always working from home, I think you kind of m miss out on that experience. Uh, so I, I think you can kind of end up in a situation where where you're like, I don't remember anything like from the last year, or like I remember some things, but I I don't remember like um, things out of the ordinary, you know? Yeah, no, it, de it definitely it definitely removes some life from 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 your work, and I think that makes it more. It stands out more as just work and less like a part of. I don't know, the more interesting parts of your life. I mean, I remember, I mean, just sort of anecdotally, you think back or I think back to my time going into an office and meeting up with people that I enjoyed working with and just generally being in the office and sort of mixing it up there. And, um, you know, it seemed, I knew it was work. Obviously, I'd go in, commute in, work there for eight hours, you know, leave, commute home. Um, but you know, it's, it's just sort of, I don't know, it's just like a part of life, but now it's like, I come upstairs and I, and it's like, I have to like put in the hours to work and that, that's like a, I don't know, that's, that's a negative perspective and it's probably not that bad. I'm, um, I mean, I still, I still very much enjoy what I do, you know, like I enjoy security, uh, enough so that I, you know, I talk about it and I write about it and such, but, um, it is missing, it is missing a bit of life, I think. Hard yeah, to replicate. but then, but then you don't have the you don't have to take the commute as uh, at least. Yeah, no, I don't miss the commute. I used to commute. Um, you know, it was an hour, an hour in, an hour back. I mean, it's two hours of my day right there. That's just trying to get to an office. Um, so I, yeah, definitely don't miss that. And I actually, I really like my, you know, I fortunate, uh, you know, have a nice home office setup. I have like a. a my desk is like a uh, a dining table um, from from IKEA. It's like a it's like a, oh, an entire Swedish company. <laughs> exactly, the little IKEA mentioned in there. Um, you know, full just dining table with like so I got like three monitors and all this gear and stuff. And it'd be really hard to replicate this in a unless I had a giant cubicle or an office. Yeah. So I yeah. actually I I'm actually a bit of the opposite kind of person. Um, I, I would say I'm a bit of a minimalist. Uh, like I, I, I usually only work with my laptop. Like at home, I only have the laptop. I don't have a, an extra screen. I had one previously, but I barely used it. Um, and I think this is because in when I'm pen testing or or doing hacking challenges, I always use uh, different workspaces. Like in Kali Linux, you can you can create multiple workspaces. Uh, you can do it in other operating systems such as like Ubuntu and so on. Um, and then you can just press certain certain keys on your keyboard, switch between them, and then that's basically like having multiple screens, but you don't have to to move your head. Um, so, so that solution actually works quite well for me. So at work, they actually offered us um, two screens for everyone. And I was the only one who said, uh, I, I only need one screen. Like, <laughs> if I need another, like, if I need one uh, sc more screen than my laptop, like, it will be enough with one more. I won't need, like, two of them because I rarely even use one. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I think it depends on the individual, uh, how they want their setup. Yeah, I mean, I like, I mean, visually, I, I like the way it, it 
it looks like the setup but i think when i so when i'm you know working off you know actually at work uh if you will i i tend to work off of one screen quite a bit um you know my personal setup has multi monitors and i think that's partially it it facilitates uh, my my multitasking lifestyle. I tend to have a lot of apps open at once, and I you know I, I'll use one screen for you know I'll have I don't know ESPN or, or a video uh, YouTube or something up there, and I'll have you know I'll have like a Cali window open on another screen, and then on another one I'll have like Safari open if I'm like trying to research something. And I just I tend to like have like I just like to I don't know. It's like I have a very parallel processing mindset, and sometimes. It actually, I feel like it's probably a detriment to my ability to focus on things at times. But um, I, I think just over time, I've I've gotten relatively good at parallel processing. So that's just the way that I tend to, to work these days. It's just jumping from thing to thing very quickly. Yeah, but then it's not uh, really parallel, right? You're context switching just very often. Well, I get you can make the argument true that there's that it's you cannot like physically parallel process like the human brain like can only really do one thing at a time, which is fair. Um, so it is, uh, yes, context switching in a way, I suppose. Um, so like I yeah, like I said, it's probably a detriment um, if you if you were to somehow be able to quantify like the time wasted, like the mental cycles and doing that context switching. Uh, but it's yeah, it's just the way that I work these days. At least, like in my personal space, at work I tend to have just the one machine up, and I, you know, it's more, I'm more singularly focused. But even then, I have the computer, like my work computer, sitting on my desk with my three monitors hovering ominously over it, and and I'll get distracted there too. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows what I would have been able to achieve by <laughs> not becoming? But I think I think you know. Up. If you don't have a setup you you feel happy and you won't be productive either. Um, like if you were forcing yourself to always focus super much, then you would kind of you know get a bit tired of it and you would you wouldn't feel like you wanted to do it anymore. And then that would even be worse than having your happy setup, uh, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, I think yeah. I mean, having I think that's a big part of it, right? And I think that's what you're getting at. It's just having. Having uh, that that environment that you enjoy working in is going to do more for you uh, than having the you know ideal like scientific setup, whatever that might be. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely agree with that. Uh, so w- one last thing, actually, before I let you before I let you go, because we're 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 at about at the hour mark. Um, is just around so around your blog so i I see that you know you've been doing a lot of like hack the box write-ups which is cool um and obviously i think it's it's really cool you and and you know so many other people that i i you know read their read their blogs or or follow them at least and you know uh you know they they pop in through my rss feed and i you know i'll save them for later or i'll read them at the time but have you thought more around what you'd like to do um because you know, obviously, I I have the blog and I I do a bunch of sort of interesting stuff with it, and I spend some time in there doing you know kooky things. But I'm curious if you thought about you know what else you see yourself doing with that with that space. Yeah, this that's actually a good question. Um, I think for me, it's like um, if I found something 
interesting that I want to share with other people, then I dive into it. Uh, as long as it's you know reasonable in the in the amount of time I have to spend researching the subject. Um, but then if I if I don't really have like one particular thing I want to write about, I usually um, end up writing something about hack the box uh, because I, I I like you know, taking a machine, hacking it, and then deep diving into exactly why you could exploit it and what the background is of those vulnerabilities. Um, and this is something that, like, because, you know, I, I want to write every blog post somehow uh, in a sense that it gives value to people. So I don't just write, want to write another write-up. Uh, so I always try to be, like, uh, going a bit more in-depth and making sure that, like, when you read this write-up, it will feel like you are learning every single step rather than just reading a short write-up where they just show you like 90% um, of the commands they are typing. Like maybe they, they don't even show everything they are doing. Um, and then you have to kind of jump a bit in the, the like steps they are doing mentally. Um, so I think, you know, maybe I can kind of bring some value writing slightly, slightly more detailed write-ups um, and that's why I, I started writing a bunch of hack the box write-ups. Um, yeah. But I also like sometimes I, I get some inspiration. Like I wanted to do some automated exploitation after I did a source code analysis, um, and um, so I wrote like uh, a multi-threaded Python script which could perform uh, cross-site scripting attacks against some some bot in the hack the box environment. Um, so. I think uh, the write-ups, or like just writing the write-ups, is more of um, creating some sort of of a backbone for the blog, and then getting something to get inspired from. Because uh, when you do this, all these write-ups, you you kind of um, get to dive deep into a, a bunch of different areas, and then you can get inspired from these areas in into what other um, types of uh, blog posts you want to create. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I I've had that same experience. You know, when you, I mean, it, there's there's a lot of benefits, right? And you've named some of them. I mean, when you, I feel like if you write about something or you're looking to teach somebody something, you tend to learn it a little better yourself. But you also, in the process of writing something up and trying to truly understand it, so that you know you can write about it in a in a sort of eloquent and and you know knowledgeable way, you end up having to learn, you know, dive into things and you know. Like you said, it, it, it will yield other, other um, you know, things to research and other, other things to dive into and maybe write about. And, and what's cool about what you've been doing with Hack the Box, and I, I did a couple of Hack the Box write-ups, um, I don't know, a year or a year or so ago. And one thing that's nice about it, if nothing else, is that it, it, gives, you an, it gives you something to write about with some level of regularity. Um, yeah, you know, I, exactly. I'm very, I'm very, um, streaky when it comes to, to writing. I mean, I've, I've gone through stretches where, you know, I, I would publish something a couple times a month. And now if you were to go look at my site, the last time I published anything and it wasn't, it, it was, I won't say a regurgitation of other stuff that I've written more, more of a, a, a new, uh, a recipe, you know, uh, I don't know, a different combination of things I've talked about in the past, but that was in 2021. So like the last week of 2021, so it's now May. So it's been months and I, you know, I haven't put anything on the blog. I mean, I've updated some stuff, but yeah, I think, yeah, I, I would like, a, I would like 
you know, whether it's hack the box or something else, I don't know. But having that having that regularity to sort of stay invested in the in the process of writing and maintaining the blog is definitely valuable. Yeah, I think I had uh, like somewhat of this approach. I decided that I wanted to write write uh, two posts per month, uh, so basically one post every other week. Um, and uh, I like so far I've managed to to keep this uh, schedule, <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, sometimes it's a bit difficult because you have to time manage and sometimes like unexpected things come up. Like, for example, now I have uh, I'm moving to another apartment, but there is an, a lot of issues in the other apartment, so I cannot really move. Um, and I have to like contact a bunch of people to re repair things and so on. And th this makes me lose uh, some time that I could spend on the blog. Um, so. Uh, it it can be a bit challenging, I think, to to find the time to to write posts regularly. Um, but but at, at the same time, I like this concept of you know posting regularly because it forces me to to write another blog post. Like I can't just say, oh, I'll, I'll figure it out later on, um, because then like I will sit there two days before I need to post the next one, and I won't have anything, and it will be really stressful. Um, so, so that's something I find to be an advantage of trying to stick to a, to a schedule. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I had an idea, you know, sim not I mean, similar in how you are approaching your hack the box write ups with this idea that you know you don't want it to be that you know though you, you see a lot of hack the box write ups and they're they're typically what you described, which is you know, here's exactly what I did, uh, you know, in order to achieve the flag, right? But everything in the middle, all the things that failed and all of the context behind why I did this or why it worked is 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 not there, right? So you, you know, for somebody who wants to get the flag, it, it helps. But if somebody actually wants to learn, you know, I, I feel like it's a little devoid of that. And I think, you know, your approach is, is really cool in that way. You know, I had a, I had a, uh, a thought around doing hack, a hack the box, like a series of hack the box write-ups where it would, the style of the write-up would be more around like generating a, like if you were to, if you were to role play that system as a, a target for a, like a very professional pen test. So writing up a report um, in the style of, of an actual pen test report that you do for professional engagement. So, um, you know, it's uh, sort of a, a more of like a role-playing exercise, but you could also use it to, you know, enumerate and, and call out all the other vulnerabilities that exist on the box that have nothing to do with achieving the flags. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, but then you also focus on the report writing part or... Yeah. So, so, and I think, you know, as an, as a, as an educational device, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people do hack the box because, you know, it's a great way to, you know, you have not only, I don't know, more novel vulnerabilities that pop up, but just like things that you might experience. I mean, some are CTFE and some are less CTFE, but a lot of it's just around, you know, how do I get the flags and what are the things that I do to, you know, to enumerate and, and find the foothold and then, you know, get to root or admin or whatever it may be and and less so around some of the other things that make a good pen tester a good pen tester right so around writing up a, a good report or um you know all the other vulnerabilities that might come into play um 
So I don't know. I, I saw it as obviously it's a it's a, a little more of an investment to to go to that level writing things up. Um, and, and it doesn't dive at the level of depth that like, for example, you've been doing, cause you're writing it up as more of an educational piece around diving deep on a vulnerability, whereas this is more broad. Um, but, but, uh, you know, more, more from a, like, if you're a professional pen tester, this is what you might write up and deliver to a customer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I see what you mean, but I think, I think both, um, concepts are actually quite good, um, because I've seen a lot of uh, other blogs where they they don't write much text, but then they show a bunch of dif- different things. Like they found, they they show uh, different vulnerabilities they found, and they show like how to get the the flag maybe in different ways. Um, whereas like in my in my write-ups, I don't always show like the alternative way. I like more focus on uh, one way to to do it, but completely understand every single step. Um, so yeah. I think that, you know, maybe the other approach of trying to show everything you f- you found when you hacked it, um, that's maybe good for someone who's good at pen testing but doesn't like writing that much. Um, and I'm I kind of enjoy the process of writing, uh, so I choose the other approach, which I didn't see was like I didn't see it quite commonly on other blogs. Uh, so I thought that maybe this could be some way I could contribute to uh, to the community. Um, and I think this this approach, like, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be better than the other approach. I think there are pros and cons of both approaches. And I think one pro of the other approach is that you get to see more um, vulnerabilities, like different ways to exploit the target. But then I think the other approach requires you to have some more experience um, before you can read these write-ups. Whereas if you read the write-ups I'm trying to write, I go more like... Um, I am a bit more detailed, so maybe it's a bit more beginner friendly, for example. Yeah, no, I like that. And I, I, a lot of my, I can't say my hack the box write-ups were, were in that spirit as much, but I, the way I tend to write is very, I like to think about, and I go through like my material several times. I, I really like to think about, you know, putting myself in the shoes of somebody who has no idea what I'm talking about. Right. Who doesn't, yeah. who, who doesn't necessarily have all the context that I do. Um, so I think, and, and I do think that the just, and I've done a lot of reading other blogs um, and, and the sort of research and write-ups people do. And I think that's more typical is, is where you see people not doing that, not going to that level. Um, you know, sort of leaving out, you know, there's, there's these, there's these jumps in understanding where you're like, well, that's great that you got from point A to point B there, but I don't, but I, I need to go research what's in the middle there. And so it's really, yeah, yeah. going into that level and really breaking things down is, um, I do think super valuable for a lot of people. Yeah. And, uh, to the other question, I think, uh, like if I have any questions for you, um, maybe how, how do you find inspiration to write the blog post? Like, or, or what do you find or like, how do you find, um, a way to know what you're going to write about. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes in a couple of different ways. Um, certain, I mean, we talked about the one, you know, I, I, I think I've, I've written about things that have sort of naturally led to writing about other things. Um, so I think that's, I mean, that's one Avenue Two, I, the way I set the blog up originally, um, 
and you know if you go to the blog you'll see like right below where it says shell sharks it says infosec technology life and the idea behind that was you know obviously what i'll primarily be writing about is infosec stuff um but i didn't want to corner myself just just creatively um so i really opened it up technology and and then life so i i really just opened myself up to write about anything and you know, going back through, I mean, I don't know how much stuff I've written, 40, 50 things at this point. Um, most of it's about InfoSec, but occasionally I've gone completely off script. Like I wrote something about, I did like a Tesla review, um, which is sort of yeah. silly. And I did like a whole, I don't like a poem in there and stuff. So, you know, I think it, it just gives me this creative outlet, sort of whatever's on my mind at the time to go into. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of like uh, your approach to it as well. I think your blog has a, a lot of, uh, you know, different concepts that it uh, that it is uh, kind of explaining and and talking about. And I also like that you you have a kind of a personal touch to it, um, because my 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 blog is a bit more mechanical. You know, it's like I present the material, but I don't really talk about uh, my personal life, for example. Um, and I like that you have uh, these kind of things as well in your blog. Like for example, you have this uh, this thing called Captain's Log. Right, um, right. which is kind of interesting to to, uh, to read because you can, because like me as a reader, I can kind of follow your journey uh, writing your blog and, you know, getting to know you a bit more. Um, so I, I kind of uh, liked that, that part of your blog. Yeah, I, I think when I originally started it, I, and this was sort of like emotional hedging, I, I in, in the about section, you know, I sort of wrote that the site is meant more for myself than anyone else and just a place to share things that I think are as interesting or valuable with others. And and the idea was really to be cybersecurity focused because um, that's what I do professionally and that's what I'm interested in, you know, and I spend a lot of time doing it and I'm learning things and I, I, you know, I like to share, I like to teach and I like to learn. So I'll share this stuff out. And, but I, you know, I wrote it in this way and that I was like, it's really for me, if anyone else likes it, great. And, you know, I, I didn't really know if anyone would read it. I didn't know if, you know, and I, I don't, I don't, I honestly really don't know how many people look at it. Um, I, there's metrics that Google gives me that I don't really look at. Um, I certainly don't yeah, think. I, I saw that uh, because I look at the cookies of every blog I visit. And then I, I saw that you have the Google An Analytics cookies. Right. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think like there's like this big following for my site or anything. And I wouldn't know if there was, but I, but I, I do know, having done this since, what is this, 2018 or 2019, that I, people, people do look at it. And in some cases, if you Google certain strings, certain, like, I guess, search terms, my blog will show up either on the first page or even the first result. So Google's doing something there, you know, it's, it's annexing my finding or my, my, my stuff and people are Googling it and finding it. And, you know, people have reached out to me on Twitter about stuff. So it's actually been really rewarding in a way that I never thought that it would be. Um, and so, you know, going back to your original question, I, I have found that, you know, I have been, I don't know if it's the best word, but like somewhat inspired by, the level of engagement that I've had and that seeing that engagement has, I think over time prompted me to, to, you know, to write more, um, and to stay yeah. engaged in it because, and, and again, I'm, I'm not necessarily doing it for, for, for people out there, but I think more and more, you know, people, you know, I, I, some people reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, Hey, I loved your post about getting an info second really helped me. And I shared it with people I work with. And, you know, I, that 
I feel like that's the kind of story where I'm like, oh, that's that's awesome. I never thought anyone would really look at it or have any, no. or, but 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 they do. Some someone did. Someone out there in the world. There's seven billion people in the world, so it's cool. Um, yeah, I I've actually had uh, quite a similar experience that uh, I. I just started writing because I wanted to have a meaningful side project. I always had like a bunch of side projects that, you know, I worked on it for a couple of weeks and then I stashed it, stashed it uh, away in a wardrobe in a USB drive and then never looked at it again. And I wanted to have some side product that felt meaningful, like I was helping someone else. Um, and I just started, you know, writing a couple of posts and posting them and I didn't think anyone would read them. Um, but then uh, like eventually some days like um, some people contact me and they, for example, on LinkedIn and they write, oh, thanks for the great write-up or something like this. And then you feel uh, happy you help someone and you get a, a bit of motivation to, to keep, uh, you know, writing more stuff that could help anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess the third thing is, you know, I've, you know, when you go do let's you know take our previous conversation as an example if you go do OSWE you go do a certification or training you can walk away in most cases or or in, in a situation like that with okay I did this training I learned a bunch of stuff and at the end of it all I got this certification right which, which sort of stands as a you know a a um, evidence that I went and did that stuff right and so I, I, I find that in with a lot of the research that I was doing that wasn't attached to a training or anything else or, or the work that I did professionally, I, I think a lot of what I did there, I, f I feel like I did and would walk, you know, I guess time would go by and there would be no real, um, I don't know, a good way of putting this, uh, you know, like no, no monument to having learned that stuff. Um, and I also find myself at risk of forgetting about things that I, you know, any projects that I work on that I, you know, start from, you know, beginning to end, fin finish it, wrap it up, you know, package it up, send it away. And then what I learned throughout that process begins to stagnate because if I'm not using it, you know, regularly, it'll, it'll go away. So I, I, I started thinking of this idea of writing about anything and everything that I do as a way to a, you know, remember it later right i can go back to what i wrote and remember it so just as sort of a remembering tool an, ar uh, an archival tool but also as a way to say you know hey i spent three months doing this container security project i'm just throwing that out there as an example and you know i did a bunch of research and learned a bunch of stuff why don't i write about it and and that's and i i, I can't say i've stuck to that um because i often find that i'll do something and I'm like, I don't know if I have enough here to write about, so I don't end up writing about it. But I, but I really, you know, I would really like to just whatever I'm working on it, you know, I, I spend eight hours a day at work. There's got to be something I can write about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a little less inspirational and more just, you know, uh, I'm like, I'm trying to give myself credit for like the time I spend learning, if that makes sense. Yeah. And also have like the, the blog as a reference somehow. Yeah, and I yeah I think that's I mean that's the big one for me because I I I feel like I've forgotten more than I know right now. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Uh, mm. But yeah, um, 
So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, now having this and, 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 you know, having like this conversation with you, um, you know, I, I've had very similar experience. Like, you know, when I go to like a conference and I meet other people in the field who are just, you know, they're interested enough about security or about what they do that they go to a conference or like yourself, you're interested enough to take some time out of your day to talk to me. You know, it sort of motivates me. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, want to dive back into it, write something, you know, share something, kind of get into things. So I definitely, uh, yeah, really appreciate you, you know, taking some time to chat. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a two-way street. I also appreciate that uh, I get to come here and, uh, and talk to you on your podcast. Um, I think this is something that also inspires me because uh, from my perspective, I started blogging in, in October. So my, my blog is like a small project. And then I, I see your blog, which is like four years old and have a bunch of posts and it looks like well-established and cool. Um, and it's, it's kind of expi- inspiring for me to, to get the opportunity to be uh, on a podcast for, for a blog uh, like that I kind of look up to, you know. Sure. Yeah. And I guess the one, and you sort of called it out. I mean, the one thing I would say is, you know, I, I, and maybe not to the extent that I do, but you know, I, I started thinking more there's, there's somewhere, and you mentioned the captain's log, there's somewhere where my post is like, if you go to the very first one, you can see what it looked like in the beginning. And it was very, even maybe less so than yours mechanical in some ways, it was just like a place for me to put my write-ups. And I think more and more, I, I started adding more of myself to the blog. Um, and it, it, you know, in this, in the current version of it, it's really like an expression of myself, right? It's like, you know, I tend to have, I tend to add a lot of whimsy and quirkiness and just myself to it. And when you come here, you, I feel like before you even read anything and understand, like, look at my style of writing or anything else, you're like, you kind of get an idea of who I am. Just a, a nerd. Yeah, if, if you come to Stockholm, you just let me know and we can take a fika. Do you know what a fika is? No, I don't. Oh, <laughs> okay. So um, in Sweden, we have something called fika, which is basically um, like you take a coffee, but then you also eat biscuits with it. Um, okay. so, you, sounds... so it's it's like going to a cafe, but like I think you call it a uh, cafe in in English. Yeah, um, cafe, sure. Yeah, and uh, then they have like... Uh, traditional um, Swedish uh, biscuits, you could call them. Okay, yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, yeah, I think there's something in Sweden that my wife was specifically thinking of. Maybe something in like the the sort of northern regions. Um, I don't, I don't remember what it was. Some sort. Of, I don't know if it was like a dog sled thing or staying in a yeah, like sure. an ice hotel. I don't remember. Like yeah. yeah, the ice hotel also. Uh, they build it every year with ice. Sure. It's quite cool. 